to read the scripture? When I left six weeks ago, we did not quite finish the book of Exodus. We've got three chapters left the next three weeks, and I think they may be the most powerful three chapters in the book. 32 today, even more powerful next week, 33, and even more powerful than that, 34 in three weeks. So three great chapters. This morning, I'm going to begin by reading the first six verses of the chapter, but we'll cover it all one way or the other. Verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, And bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Church of the 40 years in the wilderness from crossing the Red Sea to crossing the Jordan River into the land 40 years later, of the 40 years, this is the nation's worst hour and greatest failure. And it is Moses' finest hour, as we're going to see how he responds to this dreadful, appalling, idolatrous sin. Uh, We're going to see his response, but the main thing this morning to God's heart is how are we going to respond? How will we respond when we're exposed to God's Word? And so just be asking, always, when you hear God's message taught, I'll always be asking, Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, what do you have to say to me? Doesn't matter what Jeff's got to say, but Lord, what is your spirit saying through the Word of God? That's what we're going to see. All righty, here's the background. The chapter begins, Moses is up on the top of Mount Sinai communing with God, receiving the Ten Commandments. The people are down below, and day after day goes by, week after week, and finally, after about 40 days, They say, you know, we don't know what's become of this Moses. Aaron, make us gods that we can worship. Can you believe it? I mean, really? I mean, after what they've seen, after they saw God do incredible miracles, take the Nile River and turn it blood red and engulf the nation with plague after plague, 
and rescue them from 400 years of slavery? Are you kidding me? And then they get to the edge of the Red Sea, the Egyptian army pouring down on them to annihilate them from the earth. And what does God do? He splits open the Red Sea. Are you kidding me? They're going to make a golden calf to worship. Oh. And then Aaron, the brother of Moses, like a wimp, goes along with it. They give them gold earrings, the wives, the sons, the daughters. By the way, you thought that uh, this was a new thing a few decades ago for men to wear earrings. Not hardly. Nothing new. And he fashions this golden calf and said, these are your gods? This is your God violating the Ten Commandments, especially the Second Commandment. You should not make any graven image of me because every image of God by nature will distort the glory and the perfection and the greatness of God. A calf, a golden calf, maybe to represent strength, but what a distortion of the glory of our good Father in heaven. Every image be it physical or any other kind of image, distorts the glory of God and violates the second commandment. That is why the only place, the only place to take your image of God is right here, God's Word. Fill your mind with God's mind, and you see what God is like, the great, holy, sovereign, infinite God. Okay, they make uh, this golden calf. Verse 6 that I read at the end, is noteworthy because it said, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And apparently, the Hebrew terms suggest a drunken sexual orgy. And that word rose up to play. So it is bad. It's worse than bad. It's horrific. How is Moses going to respond when he finds out? Well, what is interesting is that here is Moses up on the mountain with God. The people are down here, horrible. Um, God knows about it, of course. Moses doesn't, but God tells Moses, like a confidant, like a friend, which is a measure of the transformation in Moses' life. This is what happens in verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Did you notice... God's pronouns about the people? Moses, go down to your people that you brought up as if they're not mine anymore. You can have them. It's like God is disowning them. Your people, you brought them up. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You can hear the hurt in the heart of God. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people who will not bow their heads and their knees to obey me. Friends, dear friends, if you're here and you've got a stiff neck towards God. Now, if you're 
neck was very stiff toward God, you wouldn't be here, so thank God for that. But you may, to some extent, have a stiff neck, and there might be areas of your life that are in open rebellion against God. You know it's sin, and yet you are just going along with it anyway. That is a stiff neck. Friends, you've got to understand, God is a consuming fire. He is the holy God. Don't mess around and play with him. Yes, he is the God of incredible love and grace, as we've seen in Calvary in the face of Jesus. But he is the holy, holy God of all glory. If you've got a stiff neck this morning, then repent quickly and claim the grace of God. Just right now. Oh, God, forgive me and change me. Okay, verse 10. God's talking to Moses, telling him what's going on. Now, therefore, Moses, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. Now, that's an incredible offer for Moses. Look, they have, they have crossed the line. They've crossed the line. They deserve the judgment of God. Moses, I'll start over with you. And isn't it so interesting what God says to him? Moses, leave me alone so I can do this. Well, Moses hadn't said anything. You can just see God. Moses, how are you going to respond to this? I'm offering you everything. We'll start over with you. Leave me alone. Moses responds this way. Not a chance. Not a chance. Oh, God, save them. And God loved it. God loved it. Notice what happens. Verse 11. God just showed him, leave me alone. We're going to do this. That wasn't his plan. Verse 11. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Oh, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with mighty hand? Did you notice the pronouns? Moses cries out to God, Lord, why would you bring judgment against your people whom you brought out? Lord, they are yours. What does Moses do? He implored. What's a stronger English word for that? He poured out his heart. He fervently prayed for those people. Moses had the heart of an intercessor, someone who is willing to pray for other people. And God loves it. He loves it. Moses loved these people. And so he wasn't going to selfishly say, yes, yeah, start over with me. He was going to intercede for these people. As, as deep as their sin was, he loved them. And so he prayed. Intercessors love people. Lovers intercede for people. If you care about the people around you, you will intercede for them if you're a follower of Christ. If you don't intercede or don't intercede much or just intercede in a kind of a lukewarm mechanical way, your heart's not in it, then you've got a question, how much do I love them? Because lovers intercede, and God loves it when we love people and intercede for them. 
Friends, the ministry of intercession, praying for someone else, is not only your greatest calling as a human being, but it is the most powerful thing you can do. Because if I pray for Greg and Becky Mather over there, then I am not bringing what I can do, but what God can do in the situation. That is the most powerful thing we can do because we access the slender nerve of omnipotence. It is the most loving thing you can do for someone because if someone has great need, it's not just what I can do, but, but you unleash the love of God upon them. Intercession is not only your greatest calling, it is the most powerful thing you can do for someone else, and it is the most loving thing you can do for someone else. It is the closest that you will ever get to the cross. Because what happened on the cross? Jesus, in sacrifice, hung and humbled himself and hung on a cross. When you intercede for someone, you sacrifice your heart and blood and sweat for them. You are selfless. I mean, it's not on public here. You're back behind, you know, out of sight. Nobody knows. And you pour out your heart. Friends, it is the closest you will ever get to the cross. You become most Christ-like when you intercede for other folks. And that's why God has called you and me to the most powerful, loving ministry on the planet, the ministry of prayer for other people. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your closest friends. I'm talking about your small group. I'm talking about your church. I'm talking about your pastor. I'm talking about your top five. If you're new here, this is the top five. I ask you to prayerfully select five people who don't yet know the Lord and just start praying for them every day. And if we are all imploring God to save these people, we're going to see a whole punch of them come to Christ. I've been doing this for decades, and, I, and, and, and a number of these folks have come to Christ over the decades. I wouldn't thought never would have. But if we don't pray with all of our hearts, we're going to see very few. So I'm talking about your top five. I am talking about your city, your neighborhood, your country. I'm talking about our five-year vision to see Houston become a great city of God. Now, why do we want to see Houston become a great city of God? For a lot of reasons, but for one of the reasons is this, is because we've got about six million people, dear, precious people, men, women, boys, and girls around here, and so many of them do not know their left hand from their right hand. And they are headed, millions of them, to a Christless eternity. And if we don't care about that, we won't pray for Houston that God would do a mighty work. But if we care even a little bit, then we will pray, oh God, for your glory, for your honor, for the sake of these people, please pour out your spirit and save people all over Houston. Friends, if you care about people, you pray for people. Simple as that. Okay, Moses intercedes. Throughout the Bible, we see the great privilege of intercession. Men. Husbands, fathers, what can I say to you? Um, there is no more powerful way for you to protect your family than to pray for them. It is your responsibility. 
I mean, if someone was breaking into your house to, to do damage to your kids, would you get up and fight the battle? You bet you would. Friends, we have an unseen spiritual battle all around, and Satan is trying to destroy your marriages, your kids, your lives, your families. Fight the battle. Fight it. Wives, just as vital for you, just as vital for you. God loves the heart of an intercessor who will implore and call out to God. He is still looking for intercessors. Intercessors change the world. I was over with some folks in the former Soviet Union and still a mess, but before 1989, it was even worse. And after 90, 20, after 72 years of atheistic, communistic rule in Russia and so much of that part of the world, all of a sudden, or uh, to a great surprise, the Berlin Wall was torn down and communism officially at the time, uh, was stopped and, and territories were unleashed. Russia doesn't unleash territories. Why did that happen? Well, you might say that the United States had a stronger defense under Reagan. You might say Reagan called a spade a spade. It's an evil empire. You could say things like that, but that's not the deepest reason. The deepest reason is because there were believers over there Men and women who, despite the atheistic regime, believed in God and prayed and interceded and implored God and the God of heaven heard them. That is why communism fell. Intercessors changed the world. Friends, we want to change the world. We do not want to live and die and have a nice, tame, social little life. We want to see the power of God poured out. Is it okay with you if in our lifetime that we see 60 million babies aborted since 1973, that we've got millions of slaves around the world, including right here in the woodlands all across 1960? Is it okay with you that little children are abused physically, emotionally, and sexually? That divorces are rampant outside and inside? Is that okay? Well, if it is not, the power of God is the only thing that's going to change things. And until we get serious about depending upon the power of God in intercession, we will see no lasting change. And we will bequeath to our precious grandchildren a world that is sicker than it can be. Is that okay with you? If that is not okay with you, if there are some warriors out there, then seize the mantle of intercession. Find ways to, 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 to implore God. There will be things more important to you than listening to sports radio when you drive. Now, time out. It's not wrong to listen to sports radio. <laughs> but if a priority before that is not fervent, heartfelt intercession, it's wrong. You find time. You make time. Because intercessors delight the heart of God. And change the world. What would happen 
if on Wednesday night this place was packed out with intercessors? I mean, what would happen? All of us are praying for some crying needs in our families, aren't we? We got some family members, some loved ones that really need the breakthrough of God. Do you think if there were 1,500 people here on Wednesday nights crying out to God that we would see more of those folks rescued in dramatic ways? I do. Because prayer is the real work. Do you think that if we had 1,500 people here on Wednesday nights crying out to God for our city, that we would finally see the work of God in our lifetime rather than reading about it in times past, a hundred years ago. Do you care enough to seize the mantle of intercession? Moses cared about those people and he implored God. If you care, you will implore God. Let's do it. Let's do it. I know Wednesday nights doesn't work out for somebody. Some of you are traveling, but many of you Let's gather together and pour out our hearts to God. What about this? We all drive cars, just about all of us. What if every time you open your car door, that was sort of a a, a mnemonic memory device that prompted you to intercede for the people in your life, your family, your church, your country, your city? It just prompted you. What if 10 times a day, 20 times a day, every time you open it, rather than quickly turn on the radio, you were praying, what might God do? Church, lovers intercede, intercede, intercessors, interceders, love. They're also consumed by the glory of God. Moses goes on to say to God, I'll pick up the pace here. Moses goes on to say to God in verse 12, Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them for the face of the earth? What's he saying? He's saying, oh God, if you wipe out this people, the Egyptians are going to think that with just evil intent, you brought them out here to kill them. Lord God, that is not worthy of your name. Intercessors are gripped by the glory of God. They are concerned that Jesus Christ be worshipped, that God be known. They are concerned with the glory of God. He goes on to pray. And when he prays, he quotes the Old Testament. In verse 13, you see it. When he says, Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply, said to them, quote, who's he quoting? God. He's quoting God to God. And God loves that. Because whenever I quote the Bible to God, that shows God I believe this book, that I treasure this book, that I stand on this book. And he quotes to God this. He says, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit forever. God, you said that. Intercessors quote the Bible. To God, and he loves it. They fill their minds with God's Word. They're always in God's Word. They're pouring themselves into God's Word, and when they pray, God's Word just bleeds out. There's a group of people who pray for me on, Wednesday, on Sunday mornings before the message at 8 o'clock, and uh, one of those women, several of them actually, but one of them I think of, Topi, that woman cannot pray without praying Scripture. It just bleeds out of her. God loves that. 
That's intercessors. So what do we say about intercessors? They care about the crying needs of people. They care about the glory of God for the sake of his name. And they are filled with scripture and it just bleeds out. So what happens? God hears his prayer and he doesn't wipe them out. Okay. In 15, Moses comes down to seize this, seize this thing for himself. And the action really gets intense. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tables that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Can you imagine how valuable those tablets are? The work of God. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he, Moses, said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he, Moses, came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, remember that drunken sexual orgy, the worship of this golden calf, after all they had seen, when he saw that, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it with powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Now, Earlier when Moses was praying for those people that God would change his mind, do you think, do you think that Moses was soft on sin? Not hardly, not hardly. He was appalled, devastated, and undone by the people's sin. This is the heart of intercessors. Intercessors are appalled, devastated, and undone by the sin around them. When is the last time you have been appalled, devastated, and undone by human trafficking on 1970, not to mention 60 million precious babies aborted, not to mention all the pride, divorce, abuse, and the sin in your own life. The heart of an intercessor hates the sin that would cost the Savior his blood, hates it, just like God does. You will never find the urgency of intercession until you hate sin the way God hates sin. Moses was appalled. But does that mean he no longer loved them? Not hardly. The last few verses. Verse 30. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Hate the sin. Love the sinner. Whom you are one of. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but, but, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Let's just close the book and go home. Are you kidding me? Is Moses really praying that? Did he really pray? God, you've got to forgive them. Yes, it was horrible, but you've got to forgive them. And if not, just blot me out of your book. Such passionate love for these people. So Christ-like. Never get closer to Christ than the ministry of intercession.
Is that not Paul's heart in Romans? God, you've got to save these Israelites. And if it would be possible, uh, let me be cursed forever if they could be saved. Wow. I have never gotten close to that kind of love. Oh, God, give us the heart of intercession. May we see the issues of eternity, heaven and hell, and not be so time-bound as any other atheist around us. May we see as God sees. And may we seize the mantle of intercession. Now, church, what have we seen this morning in the Word of God? doesn't matter what your pastor says. It matters what God says. And we have seen the example of an intercessor par excellence. Think about Moses, the transformation in Moses. When we first encounter him in Exodus 3, does he care about the people of Israel? God says, go back and save the people. He says, God, find somebody else. I don't care about them. He's a timid, reluctant, fear-bound man. But then he sees the glory of God. He sees the greatness of God. He sees the heart of God. And something happens in his heart over the years. And he is completely transformed. Do you know that the Spirit of God is in the life-transforming business? And if you are all bound with fear, God can change you just like he changed Moses. If you're all bound with bitterness, forgiveness, and anger, God can change you. If you've got this seemingly hopeless addiction, God can change you. If you've got this marriage that is horrible, God can change y'all. God is in the business of transforming human life. And if your life, life is not being transformed to some extent over the years, over the decades, something's wrong. But if we surrender to the Spirit of the living God, He will transform us just like He did with Moses. Now Moses, by this time, he had the heart of an intercessor. And when God says, leave me alone, he was just waiting for Moses to cry out for those people. And God is just waiting for you and me to cry out for the precious people around us. In our family, in our community, in our church, in our city, in our country. Dear people in Afghanistan, wherever God puts on your heart, He is waiting for you to implore the living God to break through. Here's my question for every one of us. Will you seize the mantle of intercession or will you not? I don't know what exactly it's going to look like, but will you receive it from God and ask God what it's going to look like. Wednesday nights, um, top fives, door handles, whatever. Will you seize it? God is looking for intercessors who care enough about people and the glory of God. Um, is it okay that if you come in here today, hear the clear, powerful Word of God in Exodus 32, and go out this room unchanged. No more intercession than when you came in. Is that okay? That's not okay with me. I'm raising the bar. And uh, 
if you're willing to say yes to God, then you talk with the Lord about it, maybe during communion time. Lord, what does this mean for me? You got one lifetime. You got one lifetime. This is the greatest ministry that you have the opportunity to be a part of. It is the greatest act of love. It is the most powerful thing you can do. It is so much more powerful than anything the U.S. president can do. The ministry of intercession. Some of you have a special spiritual gift in it. And for those of you, we need to meet you after the service to identify you, to, to make sure that uh, you're fully leveraged and mobilized. So Carol Ham, our prayer pastor, will meet you right down here if you've got a special spiritual gift of intercession, unless she already knows about you. But all of us have the calling, and it is the greatest calling that you can have. You do not want to get to heaven one day and say, God, and God says to you, if you would have just asked, I would have given it to you. Stand up with me, please. <laughs> Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, He died on a bloody cross to pay for your sin. And God took your sin, all of your sin, and placed it on Christ, and He paid for it. And all you've got to do is say yes to Him. Yes, Lord, save me. And He'll do it. You can do that right now. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You can never earn it. Just, yes, Lord, I receive it. He'll do it. He'll do it. The rest of us who are already believers, then we need to respond to the Word of God and seize the mantle of intercession. I know that's your heart. Look, church, God wants to do a great work in our lives, in our city, in our community. Be part of what God is doing. Pray with me. Lord, pour out a spirit of prayer and intercession, just like we see in the Bible. Moses, Paul, Jesus, others. Lord, pour it out in our lives, in our church, in our city, for the glory of Jesus and for the sake of these dear people, we pray. Amen.